Today on the podcast, I'm sharing an incredibly powerful and moving interview that my brother Nick did with the late Wayne Dyer. I'm sharing this as part of the lead up to our upcoming 16th annual Tapping World Summit, which is a free online event that starts on February 26th. You can learn more about it and sign up for it at tappingworldsummit.com. In this interview with Wayne, you'll hear some of Wayne's story and how at the age of 34, Wayne drove to Biloxi, Mississippi to visit the grave of his father, an alcoholic and abusive man who had abandoned him, his mother, and two brothers when he was just an infant. Although his father had died 10 years earlier, Wayne had only just found out about the death. He drove to the grave that day with a level of anger so great, so deep from years of built-up hurt that he had two tasks in mind, to find out if he was even acknowledged on the death certificate as being the son, and to literally pee on the grave of the father that he had held all this hatred, anger, and resentment towards for 34 years. What came out of that visit, however, completely and forever changed his life. It is one of the most beautiful stories you'll ever hear. It shares a message of forgiveness and the power to transform that I think is truly life-changing and worth your time to listen to today. So I'm going to go ahead and play the podcast intro, and then we'll join Nick and Wayne for this beautiful conversation. And make sure to listen to the whole interview, because about halfway, Wayne tells his plain story, which I think I've heard about 20 times and has me laughing hysterically every single time. Enjoy. Welcome to the Tap and Solution Podcast. I'm Alex Ortner, and along with my brother Nick and my sister Jessica, we've helped millions of people around the world for over 10 years to transform their lives and all using the brain rewiring, energy shifting, out of this world amazing technique known as tapping. On this podcast, we'll share information, strategies, tapping, and at times inspiring interviews, all to help you live your best life. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. And uh, we're going to do some tapping. We're yeah. going to get right into it. And there's people yeah. watching this video who have never seen tapping before. So really? Say, what, well, <laughs> what are these kids doing here? I'm a, I'm a big fan. Here? I'm a what big are... fan. I'm really a big believer. And I must say, and I ask, I said, like, because uh, I had to be, we were together down in, in Melbourne, Australia, and I was giving a talk, and you were to follow me. Yeah. And um, the pain was so excruciating in my neck and in my back that uh, I, I, for the first time in 40 years, I had to be taken off the mm. stage. And you went right out there. And did a whole tapping thing with a couple of thousand people. Couple of thousand people, yeah. And uh, and you basically tapped for me for the whole the whole room. And um, thirty minutes later, or an hour later, you yep. did about an hour. Yeah. Uh, I was back out on stage. I wasn't able to stand, but I was able to sit and go through it. And uh, and so and then for the two to two weeks or so we were together in Australia, we did tapping every single day. Yeah. So yeah. There's so much I want to talk to you about, and uh, you've been a, a mentor of mine for the last it's got to be fifteen years mm-hmm. now. You know, it used to just be on my iPod. I couldn't get you in person. Right. So it was just putting <laughs> right. the iPod in and listening. And uh, and something that I've seen in, in, in your talks and your body of work is the theme of forgiveness mm. throughout it. You know, a really present theme. Right. And when we do the tapping, you know, it, a big concept of it is in letting go of these things. Mm. You know, and it's I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And sometimes one of the things that we'll tap on is forgiveness. You know, right. we'll let go of something that's affected mm. us in the past. So talk to me about forgiveness. What has it meant in your life and how has that concept played such a big part of your life? Mark Twain said that forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Um, it's being able to send love. It's being able to have love in your heart. I must say, Nick, that forgiveness is probably the single, if you had to put one word on why my life shifted when I was back in my 30s to a new direction. It was because of forgiveness. My father... Um, a man I never met, but he walked out on our family. Um, my mother had three boys under the age of four. There was a depression. I was born in 1940. My brothers were born in 1936. 
December and in 1938, uh, in October, and myself in May of 1940. So three and a half years, she had three children, and this man just left. He spent some time in prison. He was an alcoholic. He was abusive. He was a womanizer. Um, when my mother brought me home from the hospital in uh, 1940, uh, my father had moved in with another woman in, uh, in Ann Arbor. We lived in Detroit, about 40 miles away, and left my oldest brother, who was just four, um, in charge of my other brother, David, who was 16 months, and I came, and my mother came home to that. Uh, I heard those stories my whole life, and I just grew up with deep anger and resentment and hatred towards someone who could treat a woman that way. Consequently, I was put into a series of foster homes and an orphanage until I was 10. My mother got us all back together again. And all I ever did was I would have dreams all the time about this man. And, yeah. you know, for the first 10 years of my life, I didn't even know what the word father meant yeah. because I lived in a place where nobody had fathers in an orphanage. And when I found out and then heard what he had done and how he had stolen from people and, uh, and it, it was just every, everything about this man I had ever heard was just evil. Yeah. And, um, I ended up, I haven't got time to tell the whole story, but I ended up at his grave in uh, 1974, 10 years after he had died, I found out, and I went down to his grave. And I actually went down there to sort of uh, do something else on his grave. <laughs> um, and I had no idea why I was being sent to go down there. I rented a car, I, I, I took, went to a lot of trouble to get down there, and I stood on his gravesite in Biloxi, Mississippi, August the 30th, 1974. And um, the first, uh, the first two hours that I was there, all I did was curse him wow. and ask, how could you possibly behave this way towards uh, such a wonderful woman and, wow. such, and have three boys and never make a phone call, never even check on this, wow. you know? And I mean, I get tearful now even thinking about it. Wow. And um, so I went, back, I went back to the car to drive back to New Orleans and go back. I was teaching up in New York at, at a university there at St. John's University. And something called me back and said, go back to the grave. And I, I got out of the car, went back to the gravesite, and um, the words came out of my mouth. I said, from this moment on, I send you love. I, f I forgive you. I let go of all of it. And I said, who am I? Who am I to judge you for what you did? You did what you knew how to do, mm -hmm. given the conditions of your life, and I send you love. Now, at that time, I was uh, 34 years old. Um, I was overweight. Um, I was drinking. My writing was going nowhere. I mean, I'd written some textbooks, but it was just the, the kind of writing that I really wanted to do. I was in a relationship that wasn't working at all. Um, I was basically on, on a uh, involuntary suicide mission, the way I was living my life. You know, I, I wouldn't have lived another 10 years, probably. So anyway, my life was pretty much out of control. I, I, I was a writer, but I wasn't writing the way I wanted to write. In my relationships, I wasn't very happy. Um, uh, I was overweight, um, out of shape and so on. I, I left New Orleans, flew back to New York, got on an airplane and flew down to Fort Lauderdale and rented an apartment um, at the Spindrift Motel on A1A in Fort Lauderdale, Florida in 1974, in September. And in uh, 14 days, that's how long I had there, I wrote a book from cover to cover called Your Erroneous Zones which became the number one selling book of the entire decade of the 70s, and today has probably 100 million copies in print all over the world in something like 47 languages. Everything in my life changed. When I got rid of the hatred, the anger, the bitterness, the, the rage, I used to wake up every 
night almost and, and by being sweating and angry and I'd, I'd be seeing my father in a bar someplace and going up to him and, and grabbing him and yeah, saying yeah. how could you how, how yeah. could you do that the reason I went to see to to my father's grave is I just wanted to see the death certificate I wanted to see if he if it was acknowledged that he had three children mm -hmm. and it was my name was on there mm -hmm. and he had died of cirrhosis of the liver at the age of 49 and, um, you know, even as we sit here now, I can feel his presence around me. I did a film about him called My Greatest Teacher. Yeah. He was my greatest teacher because if I hadn't been able to get that rage, mm. that hatred, that anger out of me, my life would have continued on that path. Mm. Everything shifted in my life. I started running. I got into, you know, uh, a, a real good exercise routine. Mm. I gave up drinking. I got into a beautiful relationship. My writing took off. Erroneous Zones became the next one was pulling your own strings. and. Today it's 41 books later, and um, and I can attribute all of that to forgiveness. So that if you've got something in your heart that's uh, that's anything other than love, you got to get it out. Wow. And I think you know that's a big part of what tapping is: is helping people to get 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 that out. It is. It is. What a, you know, I've heard you tell that story probably a hundred mm -hmm. times now, and it, right. it, it doesn't stop touching me because yeah, every time either. we hear it, it, yeah. it just it just reminds us who do mm -hmm. I need to forgive what do I need right. to let go there's a couple of things you shared that just sort of struck me as they relate to tapping right one is um, you know when we start tapping we tap on what is called the negative or I like to call the truth right mm -hmm. how we feel so right. if someone came to me and they were angry we would say even though I have all this anger right. I have this rage towards my father mm -hmm. and I'm so pissed off at him sometimes we even curse and right. and just really feel that emotion right. to experience it in the body and then do the tapping to let it right. go you did a very similar thing at the gravesite, right? Mm. Where you had to have those two hours mm. of expressing that oh, rage. Oh, yeah, you can't imagine the you know? rage that I went through there. I mean, it was... Unfortunately, there's I, no video footage of that, right? Well, no, I, I went there to piss on his grave. Yeah. I, I, I was so filled with yeah. anger, and I, fe I felt that was what was drawing me to him. Mm. And my other two brothers didn't care. It's yeah. interesting. They had yeah. no interest whatsoever. Yeah. My oldest brother remembered him yeah. um, and just would say he was just an asshole. I mean, mm. just, yeah. just let it go. Yeah. And my mother... And when my mother got us all back together when I was 10, um, she, I couldn't even bring his name up. She was just so filled with rage. And mm. She just passed away about a year ago. She was 96. And, and I just wonder if she's uh, reconnected. Mm. I mean, I, uh, and I will reconnect with my father because I feel his presence around me all the time. I really feel that he truly was the greatest teacher I ever had. And I think all of that rage is something that I had to express. Yeah. And then, and now... I have nothing but love for him, and it's like there's two sides to every story, and uh, who knows what his childhood was yeah. like, and yeah. what, you know, when he was, I know that he was abandoned when he was a kid, I know that he was abused, I know, you know, and, and that was his, his way of reacting to it, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the people who walk around us, are mm. the same, I like to look at people and say, I've had so much experience working with people, and walking in someone that has this issue and all of a sudden you uncover all these traumas that right. you just never know if you, when mm. you see them walking down the street oh my gosh the right. things that they went through and you see enough of that as i know you've seen right. you walk around and go well you know that person that was rude on the plane mm. or that was angry here angry there they're just working out their own right. traumas that same demons that you know that right. we're all working through it just depends on what you decide to have in your heart yeah. that's what i've learned and that's the that's where i am at this stage in my life is if we can if we can fill ourselves with love and appreciation for, and, and be in a state of gratitude. So it, it's really, Nick, it really boils down to what do you have inside? Mm. You know, that every event of your life, you have a, an opportunity to be in a state of gratitude for. Now, you would think that, um, you know, a 10-year-old boy who's filled with rage and everything, 
But I, as I step back, and I've just written a whole book about this called I Can See Clearly Now, looking back, I can see that when we are in these places where we think things shouldn't be going the way they are, or we think that it's unfortunate, or somehow we're being punished, or there's, it's just not fair, and all of those kind of things, that that's the time to be in a state of gratitude. Oh. That's the time to just say, there's something in this for me, you know, that like everything doesn't just have to smell good and, and be right in order to be thankful for it. You can be thankful for those, uh, you know, all of those experiences. And so many of the experiences that I've had in my life while I was going through them, I was unhappy about them. I could step back and look at them from the perspective of today. Yeah. And I couldn't have got to where I could never have got. I wouldn't be doing this interview um, if uh, if I hadn't had that experience with yeah. my father. And who's to say, seriously, in a universe that has no beginning and no end, yeah. that's infinite. So we have an infinite number of times to to go through this life experience. Who's to say that my father's whole life purpose wasn't to come in, mm -hmm. behave the way that he did <laughs> in order to teach his youngest son how to forgive and that he could teach millions of other people to do the same. Who knows how the whole universe works? Who am I to be judging any of that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a sign-up sheet for a drunk asshole. That's right. <laughs> right. He said, yeah, no, yes, I can do, I right. can do the right. job. Exactly. It's going to yeah. be hard. You're going <laughs> right. to be a real jerk. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. So. I would love to do some tapping on forgiveness. Okay. And, uh, you know, last year for the Tapping World Summit, we sat down with Louise Hay, who, mm -hmm. you know, very well. And people were very moved. You know, she, she brought in a certain energy when, when mm -hmm. she tapped on stuff. So I would love to do, and I'll lead through a tapping if you be my sure. echo, Absolutely. to help people out there forgive. Right. right. So let's do this. You know, it doesn't have to always be a grand thing, right? right. And, and we don't expect to forgive, you know, our fathers for decades of abuse in mm -hmm. one round of tapping, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it happens. But right. let's just pick a minor thing to forgive, mm -hmm. right? Somebody who annoyed you. Mm -hmm. uh, a week ago, or right. something that you're just holding on to your heart where you just mm -hmm. want to let go of a little right. bit, right? So everyone out there watching, just pick something that you want to let go of. Pick something that happened recently. Pick someone you have anger towards. Pick something you go, you know what, I want to experience a little forgiveness in my heart. And, and really feel that. You know, I think one of the great things about tapping is really going to that feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. Feeling the anger and going, where is it? Where do I have it in my body? What is it that I'm holding on to? And we'll do tapping together, okay? okay? So tapping the side of the hand. Even though I have all this anger in my heart. Even though I have all this anger in my heart. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Even though it's so hard to forgive this person. Even though it's so hard to forgive this person. I choose to let go now. I choose to let go now. Even though I've been holding on to so much anger. Even though I've been holding on to so much anger. I choose to release it now. I choose to release it now. Eyebrow, this anger. This anger. Side of the eye towards this person. Towards this person. Under the eye or this thing that happened. Or this thing that happened. Under the nose. It's so hard to let it go. It's so hard to let it go. Under the mouth because I feel that I was right. Because I feel that I was right. Collarbone. And I don't want to forgive them. And I don't want to forgive them. Under the arm because I don't want to condone this behavior. Because I don't want to condone this behavior. Top of the head. But it's time to release this anger. But it's time to release this anger. Eyebrow, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. Side of the eye, even just a little bit. Even just a little bit. Under the eye, releasing this anger. Releasing this anger. Under the nose, releasing this pain. Releasing this pain. Under the mouth, from every cell in my body. From every cell in my body. Collarbone, letting go. Letting go. Under the arm, letting it all go. Letting it all go. Top of the head, right now. 
right now. Deep breath. So it's in those little moments where we let go, right? Where we forgive. Yeah, even just that little bit, I can. I was thinking about some someone else who you know who has done some things that uh, you know I have felt upset about, and I was thinking about that as we were doing the tapping, and it, uh, I felt more peaceful about it. You mean you still get upset at people? I thought absolutely. I thought you, yeah. I thought you had reached enlightenment. Oh boy! I have enlightenment is part of it. <laughs> enlightenment is part of it. Yeah, absolutely, right. yeah. absolutely. I want to talk about uh, the physical body, and you know, I think one of the big breakthroughs in tapping is that we're not just having these experiences in our head, right? Where we're thinking about them, but we're also activating the somatic body response, right? right. We're calming the amygdala. We're having that relaxation response from doing the tapping while mm. focusing on. Um, on our challenge. And I know in your life, you mentioned before, your physical body has been a big part of it from right. where you turned it around at 34 and started mm -hmm. exercise. So tell me, I know you ran eight miles a day for how, how long was it? Well, I ran eight miles a day for 22 years wow. without missing one day. Can, uh, can I just have you tell the story of the plane? Because I just cracks me up to no end. Talk about well, devotion was, and dedication. Some people call it obsessive. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, look, you brush your teeth, Evans, what I used to yeah. say. You brush your teeth every day, and you don't call that obsessive. Yeah, yeah. You know, you go to the bathroom every day. You yeah. don't say you're obsessively going to the bathroom. So one of the things I did every day was run. Uh, and I ran eight miles when I started, and I, just, and I stayed with it for 22 years until my wife said to me, um, she said, I don't think you could miss a day. She oh. said, I would be much more impressed with you oh. uh, if you could uh, not run one day. So I said, okay, I won't run today. That was it. And I didn't run that day. And she was in shock. And then I ran seven more years uh, without missing it until I was 29 years. So I ran, one, I ran every day, eight miles, for 29 years. Wow. Um, probably longer than you've been alive. Uh, <laughs> almost. 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 <laughs> uh, and then... Uh, but I was on my way, I was flying down to Australia, and there's a, an international dateline, yeah. so like you, you, you have the same day twice, and then you miss a day. Yeah. And on the way down there, you miss a day, yeah. you know? So it's like, it's Tuesday, then it's Thursday. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, I've missed a day. And I was just, a, so I got up out of my seat, and I, first of all, I ran up and down the aisle two times until the flight attendant said, you can't <laughs> this do this. Gonna fly. It was on Qantas Airlines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I went into the bathroom, and I ran in place. Uh, for a full hour, yeah. you know, and yeah. so, so it was about eight miles because I knew what my pace yeah. was. And I came out of the bathroom on an airplane, sweat pouring down my face, <laughs> and everybody in line looking like, what, what were you that? doing in that bathroom? <laughs> so uh, I did my eight miles, you know, so nice. that, that, that's, how, that's how neurotic wow. I was at the time, yeah, so. And then tell me, I know you've done a lot with yoga, how, how important do you think the physical body is to the spiritual experience, you know? Well, you know, if you, if you don't take care of it, you don't have any place else to live, you know. So it's like, uh, it's, just, it's just such a gift, and it's so perfect. And, and, and just based on what I've been going through just recently yeah. in my own life, uh, a simple thing like a realignment where one hip is off, so you're walking, you're, we're not even realizing it, you're yeah. walking through life like this, and what an impact it can have on you. And when you're in chronic pain, when you're in, like, the kind of pain that I was in that pulled me off the stage, um, you begin to realize, you know, the significance of, of taking care of yeah. this this perfect creation. Yeah. What, it's just such a miracle, this body of ours. I mean, when you just when you just think about it, what it's capable of doing, and yeah. so on. It's like, and, and what a miraculous. One of my most favorite people in the world is a little boy named Jesse. He's he's two years old, mm -hmm. and you know, I have I have really I'm 73 years old. I have eight children of my own. I love every one of my children deeply. 
But I've never known a love like I have for this little boy. There's something, maybe it's just in my age or whatever it is, but just watching him, you know, learning, just learning to be alive and, mm -hmm. uh, and the excitement. And, you know, it's like the, 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 one of the poet, uh, Wordsworth said that, uh, heaven lies about us in our infancy. I always talk to him. Tell me what God is like. Come on. I know you know. You, you just, you were just there. I, you know, and, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm going to be there soon, but I want to know more, you know, yeah. just, just the joy of being around this little two year old. I mean, it's just, it, it's just thrilling to me, you know, watching him, te I'm teaching him how to swim and just all the little things that he does, to, you know, it's just, I just, I don't think, I, it's, it's really, you know, Nick, it's all about having love in our hearts oh. for everything. I mean, I look at these beautiful flowers oh. that are right here in this room and I think, and they smell you know, too. Yeah, and it's like, you know, if you, if you, uh, in the movie, Oh God, remember with yeah, George Burns? Uh, yeah, Burns, George you know, Burns, absolutely. There's yeah. a line in there, he said uh, something about, uh, you know, to, Make a flower, you know, from scratch. Yeah. He said, now you understand, yeah. you know, what, what God is really like. You know, try to m make one of those beautiful flowers there from scratch. Yeah. Just go out and just make one. <laughs> yeah. Impossible, yeah. you know. So, you know, the basic tapping, what we start with is even though right. we fill in the blank on the problem, right. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. Right. And I think right. that concept of self-love is so primal to mm. healing. Like, you know, right. we tend to just... We want to push away. We want to reject the parts of ourselves that are mm -hmm. in pain, that are angry. So right. tell me about self-acceptance. What does it mean to you? Why do you think that's so important? Well, <laughs> you know, it's like if you don't accept yourself, um, nothing else, no one else is either. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, I think of it as like uh, we're, all, we're all creations of God. We, we all come from the same place. You know, T.S. Eliot said that, uh, you know, we shall not cease from exploration. But at the end of all of our exploring will be to return to the place from which we originated and to know it for the first time. And he was speaking about death, and I don't. I don't think, I, I don't take that as a, an explanation of death. I take that as an, a, an explanation of an, a, of an understanding that we all emerged from this place, the same place, that we're all connected. Everything in this universe is connected. Larry Dossie has just written a beautiful book called One Mind, mm. uh, and I've just finished reading it, and it's like showing scientifically how everything is connected to everything in this universe, and you can't take anything and not see the connection to it, uh, especially at the quantum level. So you, who you are is a, a creation of God. You know, in my, in my book, Wishes Fulfilled, I talk about, it's like one of the things you have to recognize is that your highest self is God. Mm. You must be like what you came from. So a little tiny spark of who you are is, is the Tao, is God, is divine mind, is Krishna, is consciousness, is Buddha, whatever you want to call it. And the Tao, the opening line of the Tao says, the Tao that can be named is not the Tao. We can't find a name for it. It's just like, but it's the, the best name we can come for it is something called love. It's just love. It's divine love. And so this is what you came from. So if you don't accept yourself, you're not accepting something that, uh, you know, is, is, the, is the creation of God, you know, because truly, I mean, it's like the, the greatest wisdom that you can have is the recognition that you are a piece of this divinity. And I walk around with just in a, you know, Rumi said, you know, sell your cleverness and purchase bewilderment. I'm just in a state of bewilderment about it all. And when you accept yourself, you love yourself. And when you love yourself, that's what you have to give away. And the only thing that you can give away, and that's what a saint is, someone who can only give love away because that's all they have inside. Yeah. That's been my goal in my life is to just to have no enemies, yeah. to have nothing, and to particularly not to have make an enemy of myself, yeah. to 
to love everything about myself. And while I was going through the last six months of this pain, the stuff we tapped on yeah. down in Australia and so on, uh, most of the time, and you've heard me say it many times, say there's a, there's a lesson in this for yeah. me. Yeah. And I just had to do, I just did a public uh, television special, another public television special. And when I got an hour and a half before the show to start, I was in, I got one of these attacks again in the neck and I was just like, you know, how am I going to get through this thing and so on. And I, I said a prayer. My wife was there, two of my girls were there. We were in the room, I had my arms around them. And I said, if I'm supposed to endure this pain, you know, for whatever reason that I don't even understand yet, I'm willing to do it. But could I please just have the next couple of hours so that I could at least get through this, this experience? And it just dissolved. And I was able, you were there, you were in the audience. And I was able to go out there and do it. And then the pain returned the next day. And I went right back to that state and I still do it now. And I can, I can feel it even now as we're talking about it a little bit here. And instead of cursing it, instead of being angry at it, I accept it as, uh, as my dharma. This is, you know, and whatever it is that I have to learn from it, generally speaking, every difficulty I've had in my life, getting divorced, literally being uh, uh, someone who is addicted to uh, substances, including alcohol, um, letting go of, uh, you know, those kinds of uh, beliefs that those are terrible things that I should be ashamed of. They've been amongst my greatest teachers. Oh. And this pain is just another one of those things. And generally speaking, I now can go out and help people who live in chronic pain. Yeah. And you do a lot of this with yeah. your tapping. You know, I've seen you do it on stage, you know, with people. On, when we, in fact, when we were out in Australia, that one woman, what was it? She couldn't even... Well, there's one lady with a frozen shoulder right. who couldn't move her who arm. Who hadn't been it, able to move her arm in no, years. Year. In 20 minutes, she got it yeah, up like that. Yeah. You know? So it's like, and that comes from just accepting yourself and, and actually instead of cursing the pain, yeah. because when you curse the pain and get angry at it, you just, you get angry. Every cell of your oh. being goes through that same anger. And what you want to do is... Just get to that peaceful place within yourself where you say, you know, when you trust in yourself, when you trust in yourself, you're really trusting in the wisdom that created you, oh. you know, and the wisdom that created you is infinite oh. and it's formless. And so, so your thoughts are in that same category. Have thoughts that are aligned with that divine, that, that divine presence. Yeah. You'll see it going away. Yeah. Yeah. I just spent uh, just a couple of weeks ago, three days in Stanford, Connecticut. We're filming this in New York City right uh -huh. now doing three days on pain relief mm. and uh, just incredible results, you know, yeah. going really deep people who had fibromyalgia and arthritis, um, right. a, a Native American with arthritis for years, just pain free. You see him stretching and doing, right. he's a Marine. He's mm. a, he was a Native American elder mm. and he's a Marine, just incredible guy. And he's, he's pain free, all this. So it was a weekend of miracles. And then towards the end, you know, I'd probably say that 80 to 90% of the people got really, really impressive results. And 10 mm -hmm. to 20, we actually did research, we'll look right. at the numbers later, we're struggling. And at the end, you know, the weekend's wrapping up and these people who are surrounded by other people mm. who have gotten amazing results, and now they're even more frustrated and angry than they yeah. started. Right. And some people said, well, what's going on here? And, mm. you know, my answer was, look, A, you made it here. The fact mm. that you d decided to spend three days working right. on this mm -hmm. shows that you are well on your mm -hmm. way to healing. Yeah. And I said, and if this isn't the thing that's gonna heal you, then the next thing will, or the next thing right. will, or the next thing will. 10 times deep, however it is, you know. And you know, also, Nick, you'll never know how it's gonna show up. Absolutely. You don't Absolutely. know how it's gonna show up. This, the example that I give is that uh, uh, I had this experience with John of God yeah. uh, that's well documented and yeah. people know about with leukemia. Yeah. Yeah, it's another one of those yeah. great blessings that came into my life. I've helped so many people, uh, you know, who 
with leukemia just because they said, well, if Wayne Dyer can get it and, yeah. And, yeah. and not have it impact his life, then certainly I can yeah. as well. Um, and, and you think, well, um, maybe I need to tap and that, and the tapping is going to be the thing that's going to, but the, the, it might be something else, yeah. you know, the tapping might just open you up to the receiving. And, you know, it's like years ago, I, you know, I've done 10 public television yeah. specials, millions and millions of people have watched them. One woman who happened to watch the, uh, one of my shows, uh, her name is Troy Egoscu. Oh. And, um, she's, she's now 50 years old, had three kinds of cancer. Uh, brain cancer, lung cancer, and breast cancer. Uh, she watched a show that I did and decided to change her attitude, just decided that she was not going to, and that she wasn't going to live in fear anymore. She was going to send that away. And she tried a new method. It's called the Brzezinski method, where she went yeah. on raw foods and things like this. And, uh, and basically was sent there because of, uh, now this was seven years ago, okay? So then I'm in this deep pain that I just talked about with, before the public television special. The next day, um, whatever miraculous thing was going on in the universe, Pete Agoscu, who has all of these clinics on, on pain relief and so on, all over the world, living, living without uh, uh, chronic pain and so on, um, I called him on the phone because somebody gave me his number and they insisted and insisted and I kept saying, I don't want anybody else to touch me. And, and, and they said, please, you've just got to do that. So I did and uh, I, called, I called the number and, and Pete Igoscu answers the phone. And finds out where I am. Ten minutes later, he's in my hotel room. Or to ten miles, he was an yeah, hour later. Yeah. He was in my hotel room, and um, and he said to me, he was sobbing when he walked in. Oh. He said, "My wife had said to me yesterday that if there's one person that I would like to meet who was responsible for me overcoming this cancer, it's Wayne Dyer." Oh. And um, and then I called him that day. And he just took me on as one of his, I'm doing these exercises and so on. Uh, and it's, it's dissipating and it's like, now how does the universe yeah. work? How does it work? It's like if you're open to the possibilities of all of these things coming to you, um, God can send you, he can do it through tapping. He can do it through a message, uh, you know, that is, is, is being sent that, uh, you know, just seems like such a coincidence and it doesn't seem like it's possible. There's no coincidences in this universe. It's all being handled by a divine intelligence, you know, that that's a part that each and every one of us are a part of. And there's so many ways for it to come to you, but you gotta be open to it. And the 20% of people that you were talking about at the end probably had a closed mind yeah. about it, you know, and wouldn't allow themselves to, uh, to experience it. Yeah. And one even admitted it at the end. The other thing from a couple of them I heard several days later, now I'm getting the results. Yeah. Now I'm back and Things are happening, right. they're shifting in a huge way that I didn't realize. Because there's you know? no time. This, yeah. That's another yeah. one of the great illusions that yeah. we live under is that time is something that's measured by what's on our watch. And it's not. There's the, that's, the, that's what we call chronos time, yeah. chronological time, cause and effect time. But there's also something called eternal time. And eternal time is where you recognize that uh, all of this is taken care of. Oh. You know, my, my teacher, I was going to become a Jungian analyst, Carl Jung said, at the same moment, that you're a protagonist in your own life and you're making choices, at that very same moment, he said, you're also an extra in a much larger drama. But within that eternal time, there are choices that you can make. And when you do, you start aligning yourself with this divine intelligence that takes care of everything, every breath that you take, every hair that grows on your body, everything that takes place in your life is taken care of by an invisible intelligence. Oh. They call it the Tao. Lao Tzu said that, uh, you know, he said, the Tao does nothing. 
but it leaves nothing undone. Mm. And all of you are not doing anything, you're just being done. Yeah. So let yourself be done in accordance with a divine plan, and rather than the one that you have inside of you, your little ego tells you yeah. ought to be the way it is. Yeah. Right. You right. mentioned a few minutes ago giving it away, giving it all away. And mm. uh, since the first Tapping World Summit that we did, this is the sixth one now, I can't mm -hmm. believe how it's gone. Wow. We've, we've made it an effort every year to donate a lot of money. Right. Um, it's literally been hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point. It doesn't compare with your 200 million of PBS, <laughs> but we, we do our best here, yeah. right? <laughs> Um, 250 million. 250, I'm case. sorry, I'm sorry. Cut it. You know, not that you, we're counting. You just cut out like, $50 million, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That Two, we've raised, by the way. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. and, uh, and, you know, we've been able to support children with cancer in right. Mexico and doing tapping with them, genocide survivors in Rwanda, veterans with PTSD. Mm -hmm. And the latest thing the last year has been the Tapping Solution Foundation that we mm -hmm. started working in Newtown, Connecticut, which is right. my hometown, working with uh, the the you know that tragedy and the trauma and the pain and the horror the horror that, yeah right. the horror of that and I know that through that you've gotten to meet uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Lewis right and yeah. uh, so it's just talk to me what does it mean to you to give away why is this it's important to me why is mm -hmm. it important to you to to well, give back think about it Nick seriously you you come into this world with nothing okay and um, with no thing you know nothing you just one moment you go from no, from formless to form, from, you know, from uh, uh, nowhere to now here. Okay, it's all spelled the same. Yeah. It's just a little question of spacing, and then you live your life, and then you leave with nothing, nothing. There's not one thing that you can hang on to and let go. So basically, the only thing you can do with your life, because you don't get to own anything. You know, you think that you own things, but it's all being taken away. It's all going. You know, so it's not. They say the last suit you wear doesn't need any pockets, you know, <laughs> you're not taking anything with you, okay? So if that's the case, then the only thing that you can do with your way, since you get, don't get to own anything, you don't get to have anything, the only thing you can do with your life is give it away. Now ask yourself, what do you think God is like? You know, living, li living like God lives, whatever, whatever this source that allows everything, even if you're an atheist, you know that there's some invisible intelligence that is bringing things from non-form to form, you know, uh, and uh, I think it was in one of Rumi's poems, he said uh, that uh, the the divine intelligence that is constantly seducing the formless into form is the only thing that owns my heart. Uh -huh. So there's something that is seducing the non-form yeah. into form. It seduced you from, you know, in from non-form. There was a moment when you didn't exist yeah. and now you do exist. And what what is that world like? So what is God like? What is this source like? What is the Tao like? What is whatever you want to call it? What is it like? All it does is give things away. It doesn't ask for anything back. It's basically our original nature. Lao Tzu called it our original nature, is to give, is to give away. So when you get into the idea that I own things, that this, that this is mine and that, that nobody, you know, you're, you're going against your divine nature. So our, our true nature is, is about giving. And for me, it's like whatever amount of money I make and everything, it doesn't make any difference. You know, it's like I just give it all away. It's all, you know, and even when I write a book or even when, or when I'm doing this interview with you, know, it's like there's nothing, nothing for me. I'm not getting anything for this. You know, it's just, it's just an opportunity to reach I out. I may buy you dinner. We'll see. We'll Maybe. See. Right. But that, that would be a first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So it's like, it's your nature. It's your nature to give. I think that's, that's really the great lesson of it all. It's just, 
whatever it is that you have, just give it away. You know, the, it's summarized by a great poet, Hafiz, who was a Persian poet back in the 13th century. He said, uh, even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. <laughs> just think what a love like that can do. It lights up the whole world. It lights up the whole world. A love that is like the sun saying to the earth. And we can't, none of us could take a breath if it wasn't for that sun. And it doesn't ask anything back. God gives us all the air that we need and the water that we need to drink and the food that we need, all the opportunity to do that. And doesn't say, I want this back. I insist on this. The churches do, the religions do, yeah. but God doesn't. God asks yeah. nothing back. Be God-like. That's what God-realization is really about. That's my... my uh, Ambition is to be living a God-realized life, to act as if I were a God, because I believe the highest place within each and every one of us is God, mm. that we're all God. Mm. Beautiful. So to wrap up, you know, a lot of people watching this are about to embark on this 10-day adventure, right. this 10-day Tapping World Summit. It's a free event. They get mm -hmm. to listen for free, and uh, over the 10-day period, mm -hmm. nothing but content, tons and tons of content mm -hmm. of life-transforming information. What words do you have for them? Why should they spend the time doing this weird tapping thing? Well, you know, it, it, it was weird to me. It's new to me. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, to me, it's just another vehicle. It's another tool for, uh, uh, you know, creating a happier, more fulfilled life. I've spent, uh, you have a, a colleague named Mary. Mary in, yeah, Mary Ayers, who's uh, one of the yeah. presenters in the it's summit. Just, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've tapped with her. I did 20 sessions with yeah. her. I've probably done 50 sessions yeah. with you over the last couple of years. And uh, it's just something that makes you feel better. And if you want to feel better and you want to increase uh, your, your levels of happiness and possibly remove some of the pain that's in your life, I don't know what, what more incentive you need than that. Um, I think it's just, it's, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. It's why I'm here and why I agreed to come in and talk about it. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you, Wayne. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Wayne and that you are excited for the upcoming 16th annual Tapping World Summit, which starts on February 26th. Remember, you can sign up for this free 10-day event at tappingworldsummit.com. I believe at this point, we've had over 3 million people attend our previous summits, so don't miss it. We cover a wide range of topics, all to help you live your best life. So I'll see you during the Tapping World Summit. And until next time, keep tapping.